feel like the word iconic just really resonates with our style and just keeping things things simple and functional. It's been really amazing to be able to do the full service design and build. Um, but our clients definitely vary in terms of what that means and where our role is on the project. For some clients, we are full service design and build, and then for some clients, we're full service design. But our experience and knowledge on the construction side give us that competitive advantage to be the design firm on the project. Welcome to episode 121 of the AFT Construction Podcast. And we have with us Caitlin Wolf, who's the owner of Iconic Design Build. And what's really unique about Caitlin is she is not only an interior designer with an amazing interior design firm with incredible aesthetic and some amazing projects, but she's also a general contractor. And so she's had some amazing experience as she talks about her career in biology and now how that's transformed with her MBA and how she went to work for an architecture firm. She worked for a contractor and how that all played a role in her business now and how she specializes in interior design, but also works on some amazing projects. We have a project together this next year that's going to be amazing. But Caitlin is a super ambitious uh, business owner, uh, conscious of her time and her product and her team and company culture. She's grown from four to 11 and has an amazing staff. And she talks about the hiring process and what she looks for in vetting not only employees, but clients. So without further ado, let's get started. So welcome to the AFT Construction Podcast. I'm Brad Levitt. And today we have a special guest with us in studio, Caitlin Wolf, who is owner and founder of Iconic Design Build. So welcome, Caitlin. Hello. Excited to have you on. So we, uh, I guess before we get started, we're, we have a very exciting project coming up. I know. It's unreal. It's amazing. And so what I love about this project, and there is, uh, you know, with the client involved, you know, that's something that will be published later. But as far as you know, some of the design, I know you're excited because this is really up your alley as far as mm -hmm. aesthetic and design. And so speak to us about that before we get into, because one of the reasons I want to have you on is just your background in construction. So you're kind of a competitor to me, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, but as far as design goes, like speaking of the aesthetic, like what, Yeah. you know, what is it that you're passionate about, especially when you get a project such as this one we have coming up? I know. And I feel like this project is just it's such a niche and so like wh where we want to go, like not even where we are now, like where we want to go with our portfolio. So for me, and because we're so early on in the project in the design phase, it's almost like it hasn't hit me yet that it's really happening because just, I mean, everything about it is just going to be amazing in terms of just the materials and um, intention behind the home. So it's interesting because when you think about that, and I've, I've spoken with a lot of guests about this, when you're thinking about marketing, branding as a company, like it's, it's all of us are passionate about a certain aspect of our job, right? Or in our career. And even though it doesn't mean you're not passionate about other design styles, right? Or aesthetics, Kaylin and your mm -hmm. team, but there's certain ones that really like capture yeah. your attention, right? Like, like this is where I'm going. They like light you up. Like you feel an emotional. And I, I think I was thinking about this recently, like in terms of finding my style and finding my aesthetic, I feel like I found it based on like my emotion on how I reacted to something. I would look at something and be like, wow, like I'm just like so amazed by that. Or you look at something and it's beautiful, but it doesn't like light you up. And so like that aesthetic that, that we're really tailored to, and that's just what I love. So explain what it is for those listening. Explain the style and aesthetic that this house will be, or at least some of the themes in mm -hmm. it, so that they understand really what makes you super excited about this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very organic. So we're using a lot of natural materials, which is what we love to do. We love the desert. So there's so many desert tones coming inside the home, but it's going to be so connected with the desert itself as well, just, you know, with floor to ceiling glass. Um, so I think that just that connection to the desert is huge um, for me, especially because I love the desert. I love spending my own you know time outside of work in the desert. So that's just a huge component. Um, and then just really clean lines, you know, keeping things very simple, but functional. So, you know, there's just intention behind every single thing. And then a lot of texture, just a lot of layering. So we're excited. Yeah. And I know from the building side, uh, you know, from board form concrete and port in place concrete and rammed earth, you know, there's some unique finishes that, you know, that, that we're going to be doing with the architect and yourself, Caitlin, that I'm passionate about. Like I love projects like this and, you know, it's, it's, as you mentioned, I mean, there are some urban elements, there's some timeless elements, mm -hmm. some, you know, some European influence on this one. So it's really unique and it's something that challenges me as a builder that I love. That's, that's the fun part. Yeah. So from your side, you know, what's interesting is you, you alluded to this to the beginning is it's like, well, this is really one of those projects that really aligns with where we want to be as a company, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you think about your marketing strategy, it's not just marketing 
where I'm at today or what I've done, but it's also where I'm going, right? A hundred percent. I like I'm my own worst critic and I love our portfolio. But for me, like I'm always thinking of I'm always thinking ahead and all the projects we have going on currently that are not finished and completed in our portfolio. So it's like what you see that's completed is, you know, stuff that we've been working on in the past. And so it's just it feels like it's, you know, moving in a, a new direction. So what's interesting is, okay, we'll, we'll come back to the design side because I think we had to kick off there so they'd understand your talent there. But what's unique is you have your own contractor license. So mm-hmm. how did that come into play? You know, from an experience side, you know, the value proposition, like what was the thinking behind that? Yeah. So when I first started my business, I named it Katie Mac Interiors, which I hate. <laughs> like, <laughs> so Katie Mac. Huh? I hate it so much. It's like polar opposite of iconic design and build, right? Yeah. So that's just where I started. And, um, you know, just trying to really figure out my mission and my style, like you said. And, you know, I feel like the word iconic just really resonates with our style and just keeping things things simple and functional. Um, so I rebranded to Iconic Design and Build. And at the time, we really were just an interior design firm when I did that rebranding. But I knew that I wanted to grow the build side. Like That was also part of my mission for the company. So, um, you know, we built that over time. I got my license. And so now it's just been really amazing to be able to do the full service design and build. Um, but our clients, like, definitely vary in terms of what that means and where our role is on the project. So for some clients, we are full service design and build. And then for some clients, we're full service design. But our experience and knowledge on the construction side give us that competitive advantage to be the design firm on the project. See, I was just going to ask you because, in my opinion, there's a lot of benefits, right, to have a designer that understands my day-to-day, right, that understands the complexity of building. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say that, fortunately for me, you know, most architects and designers that I've worked with understand to some extent, right, what we're dealing with. And so they want to make sure they're creating something that's feasible, that's mm-hmm. achievable, that we can do and perform, right, in a timely manner and within budget. So... But for you, I mean, beneficial, like you actually know. Yeah. It's not one thing just educated because you have years in the industry. It's like you're actually doing this. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, speak to that, just how that's influenced maybe your design and especially with your team. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, we're really providing the design deliverables for the project to be executed. So when we're managing a project where we are the contractor on the job, we're using our own renderings and drawings and specs to figure out the job to how to, you know, make it happen. So when we're working with other contractors, we are kind of that one step ahead. Like we already kind of know what they're going to need or what they're looking for. I feel like we also dive deeper into budget too, like allowances, because obviously that's a huge thing from a building perspective and, you know, coming in for the design, you know, of course there's anything we could do, but there's always a budget. So we're also looking at that when we're specifying materials, because we understand like what things cost and, you know, say we're looking at designing something custom, whether it's, you know, something as simple as a shelf or, you know, adding an LED in a particular spot. Like, I feel like we can kind of engineer it as we're designing it. So we know later on when we're on site, it is feasible or, you know, we have some ideas on how to achieve it. So it's a little cheat sheet because now you can go in, especially if you're the builder, like you already know, hey, they have a budget. We have to hit this. We're working through design. And so you can make sure you're designing within budget. And I know when I speak to companies that are full design built, right? Mm -hmm. They they feel that that's their advantages. They're not fighting different parties. They have everything in house. And so they can really understand their costs and they can make sure it's in budget. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, you know, so when you're working with a builder like me on this project, you know, how soon should you integrate those allowances and finishes and budgets to make sure we're on the same page? Yeah. I mean, as soon as possible, that's going to help us. I, I don't want to design something um, that's going to be way out of our client's budget. So uh, I mean, there's always value engineering towards, you know, mm-hmm. as you kind of get down to the, the details. But at the same time, when we want to design something that is going to be amazing. And so sometimes, you know, we will push boundaries and we know like, okay, we're we're going to show you something that's definitely going to cost more. But, you know, we feel like it's the best for this these reasons. And sometimes our clients, you know, will go for that. But I think budget conversation is like the sooner the better. So how does this aspect work? When you're as busy as you are with design and the creativity that goes behind it. Mm-hmm. Now you're managing trade partners and vendors and suppliers yeah. and install and <laughs> <laughs> the fun stuff that we get to deal with, right? So how does that work just from overseeing that from a company dynamic? Because at mm-hmm. some point you have to take a breath of fresh air and have some free time, yeah. which is not realistic, but. Yeah. So I could say it's literally all, all about the team. Like I couldn't do it by myself. When I was doing it by myself, it was crazy, but I like needed to do it by myself. I feel like to just see. When you're first starting. and Yeah. Like I was, you know, managing the full design, the full you know, marketing and um, the full build. Like I was doing, I was managing it all myself with basically just like helpers. 
Um, but now I have like a team that manages things and they worked alongside me for long enough to like know how my brain works and, you know, to be super familiar with our subcontractors that we vetted. And so like that process is it's it's been able to happen because I have an amazing team. So speak about the vetting process. How do you vet, you know, trade partners, subcontractors that want to work with you, work with Iconic Design Build? You know, how's that process to know that they're actually going to be able, whether it be painting, countertops, cabinetry, they're going to be mm-hmm. able to perform to what you need? Yeah. I mean, most of the people we work with, I've worked with since I started because, I mean, that's just relationships are mm-hmm. everything and you know they'll always have your back. And I feel like, too, because we do design, you know, we, do, we design all the, pro- the construction projects that we're managing. So they've kind of learned how we like to design things. So we'll design, you'll see some similar elements with, like I said, shelving, LEDs, um, you know, plaster techniques. So our trades get more familiar with, because we've done maybe similar materials, but in a different way. And, and so it's like, we've perfected it every time, you know? So um, I think just the more we've worked with them, the better. And, and I can relate because it, there, it's not just a style, but as you said, there's protocol, right? There's systems, processes. That's what's made you successful. And any company that wants to be successful, they have to understand uh, how they get from A to B. And I, I'll give an example. I remember I was taking, a, I think it's an English class actually in college. And I remember they said, you have to create instructions, right? And so like a how to do something. Mm-hmm. And all of us have like put together like whatever it is, Ikea furniture or mm-hmm. maybe Christmas, you know, we're putting together kids things. And you read these instructions and some are really good and some are really bad. Yeah. And so by building yourself, you're like, this is actually a lot harder to put together something laid out where people can understand it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, as you're successful as a business and you're laying this out with your trade partners to understand, okay, when, when Iconic Design Builder, Caitlin's evolved, like I understand, you know, if we're doing LED and we need Mm -hmm. to hide it, you know, and there's, whether it's be underneath floating shelves, like Mm -hmm. they they understand what you're asking. And so it's a lot easier because that repetition and training and the how-to now makes sense. Yeah. And like, we'll have, let's say our electrician will come to us and say, Hey, like we have this new kind of led. I think it's going to work perfect for, you know, all these applications that we keep doing and it's going to help this and that. And like, they want to perfect it with us, you know? And then, and then we know when we're doing the drawings in 3d and you know we're mapping out the dimensions, we know we have to put particular details on there. That's going to help everyone be successful. See, I love that because I think one of the big disconnects that happens in the industry is, uh, you know, construction is so slow moving, right? like information in, information out, like having people who have been doing a certain method to change and new information, new technology is really hard to integrate at times. But the advantage there, because you're so hands-on, Caitlin, is that, yes, as you're working with like LED product and how that evolved, and they say, hey, there's this new product, it's going to be easier to install under cabinets, or maybe mm-hmm. if we're trying to you know, have some uplighting on a countertop or something, mm-hmm. they're going to come to you with not, not so much a lunch and learn where you spend a lot of time. No, hey, here's something I'm using that would be mm-hmm. a shortcut. And you're like, okay, I can integrate that. It's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely lean on them a lot for that knowledge. So from your side, from the building side, do you feel, in your opinion, having done the build yourself, what makes a good relationship with the builder? Like what, what makes a builder really successful for you in a partnership when you're not performing the build. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure you have a lot of advice because you're doing the build yourself. So, Yeah, I think like the biggest thing is being a resource. So like as there's always any questions that come up, no matter how detailed your drawings are, because, you know, once something's framed, there's going to be an inch off, then you have to figure out where does that inch come into play. And um, so I think just being accessible for questions and, um, you know, if you do have to whip up a revised drawing, like being able to to do that or being able to meet on site and troubleshoot something. Um, so I think, yeah, being a resource and just probably providing as much information as possible up front when the builder is figuring out, you know, all the pricing of everything. So that way it's not like a surprise later, like where there's all these different changes or things that, you know, you didn't know were part of the scope. Like it's just giving as much detail as possible down. I mean, we spec everything from like the grout color to the toilet paper holder before they even break ground. <laughs> like it's kind of ridiculous when you think about it because you don't really need those decisions. But I mean, why not? Let's just get it all in a plan. Yeah. But I'll, if I interrupt you, I think that's super valuable because yeah. when I look at the projects in the past, yes. I mean, some designers, they want to sit there with the grout chart. You know, they want to see the tile. How's it looking as lighting? Mm-hmm. I can understand that. But at the same time, when you think about this, the complexity in the house, you know, a project that you're doing or I'm doing, Mm -hmm. there's a million decisions that go in there, right? And there's so many products. And so the more that we can decide up front, Mm -hmm. it's just more efficient. And that's, I I just had an interesting call with the client over the weekend and they were like, hey, Brad, 
So, it, it, you know, I, I'm coming in late. Preferably, it's kind of like the project you and I have. Mm-hmm. We have the architect, we have Kaylin, our team, and we're working together to create this project mm-hmm. and we're going to be off and running. This one, the client had already worked, went down the road with the architect. They're hiring a designer in March. And so like, Brad, we're, we can't wait. We want to get started. I told them, hey, time out. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to be much better off even though you have permit if you want to start now. Yeah, I understand the excitement. But if you wait till June, you know, this gives us a little time where we can sit down with the designer. We can mm-hmm. integrate all their specs and make sure it works. Yeah. So you're going to have economies of scale. It's going to be built quicker, more mm-hmm. efficient. Yeah. And you're going to like me by the end of the project, right? So yeah. that's the key because unless we do that, like you're saying, to that detail, mm-hmm. we can't be successful. Yeah. You can't skip steps. It, you're just going to be backtracking and it's going to backfire. And and I love that you do that because the most success I've had, which I know you do this, Caitlin, with your style is that, you know, you're creating the design book. You have all the details you mentioned. You have all the dimensions. You have all the product mm-hmm. specifications. You have the grout colors. Everything's decided. And so before you kick off the project, what's nice for me is my team, we can sit down with you and, you know, say, okay, Brad, here's a design book, right? Mm-hmm. Here's A to B. This is what the house is. So as we have questions, as we're going to bidding, Essentially, everything's been decided yeah. or communicated before we even get that on the street for bid and yeah. you know, be- before we break ground. And that's because also, too, like we understand that from the build side, like because we're doing estimating on our you know, remodels. And so, you know, we know one simple change can affect labor and material and it's a domino effect. So why do you get licensed? <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I, I think I, I go home and I think about how complicated life is as a contractor. And I love it. Like, don't get me wrong. I hope that doesn't seem that way. It's just incredibly challenging, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking, people always say, hey, Brad, why don't you do design or architecture? I'm like, I got my hands full of build. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just want to work with good professionals, but you've taken the whole, the whole spectrum here. Okay. So from what I've seen, what I'm familiar with, a lot of companies are a builder or contractor, and then they have in-house designers. I haven't seen as many full-service design firms that have the contractor's license, like from the other perspective, right? Because we're definitely more of an interior design firm. Like we don't construct other, we don't construct, you know, other designs. We do all of our own designs and then we decide, does it make sense for us to manage the construction too? So like, it's almost just like an added layer, added service for our clients. Um, And I think that's how I was, was really like imagining it. Like it's, it's almost like a benefit for our clients to have one point of communication if they want, um, you know, a remodel and furnishing. So Really, our entire construction side of our company is focused on remodels. So it's not new ground construction. It's uh, not much added square footage. Um, it's really cosmetic remodels. So, I mean, we'll do a you know, 7,000 square foot remodel of a home. It's still a big remodel, but that has been um, just beneficial for our clients, especially people with second homes. And they just want one point of contact. You know, we're able to design all of the finishes and then design all of the furnishings. And then while the construction's going on, we're procuring all of their furnishings and we're laying out those final days. So, like, we're timing it so that, you know, we know construction's going to be done around this time. We're going to have to get it cleaned. Then we're on site with the movers. We're filling it with furniture. Like, we, we're just, like, seamlessly doing that whole pro- uh, process. process. Yeah. It's interesting because did you always know that that was – your warehouse essentially, I mean, it, it's really valuable because where I've seen companies be real successful is not having the huge broad spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know, they may specify in certain categories, but like for you, you're like, hey, I, you know, I'm not trying to build new houses. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to reconstruct a 5,000 square foot house and rebuild it and do an addition and a mm-hmm. guest casino and all this. I know you take even, whether it be a thousand square feet or 7,000, yeah, cosmetically, I can come in and we can do all this and have the capability. So was that always the intention when you got your license? It really was. And it still is like, I, I don't feel like that. I want to take the build side to new ground construction. I love designing it. I love being part of that team, but I think from managing the construction from that standpoint, like I love the remodels I love and then small things too. So clients that come to us for full furnishings, I mean, 99% of the time we're changing lighting, we're installing wallpaper, we're adding a wet bar. Maybe they want to add a shower to a powder bath and then we can handle all of that. Cause I mean, it's hard to find a contractor to do this small items as well. It is. It's really smart. And and what I found too, you know, in early on, you know, as you're trying to figure out your business, you know, focus, right? On where you're going. And for me, we were kind of all over the place in the beginning until we really found our success. And but part of that, you know, when customers reach out and we get a lot of inquiries like, hey Brad, we want you to do our remodel, you know, maybe a kitchen or like a bathroom. Mm-hmm. But the reality is as in construction, it's very complex and you have to have the right people. And mm-hmm. so the mentality is different. 
building a custom home, the crew sizes are different. Mm-hmm. The insurance requ- requirements, the understanding, right? Mm-hmm. You know, getting 20 concrete guys to show up is a lot different than, hey, we're doing this little addition mm-hmm. and I need two guys, right? Yeah. And so you have to understand, especially now in this market where everyone's so busy, we have to understand our trade partners and what they can handle, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not self-performing this work. And say for you that, hey, if you have a really good plumber and a really good plaster and mm-hmm. cabinet person, they're perfect and you could keep them busy with your projects. And exactly where it gets a little challenging as you get out of that scope and it's something more complex. Yeah. And it's not that it's complex. It's just a different scope of work, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Because your stuff's equally complex. Trust me, I know. Yeah. It's just like a, it's just a different realm. Yeah, absolutely. So, so where, did, where does the inspiration come from? Like for you, how much does your lifestyle travel, you know, the day-to-day influence iconic design build and really the direction your company's taken? I feel like I live, eat, and breathe just designed and iconic. Even when I'm not working and working, I feel like when I'm traveling, I'm getting inspiration for projects. I'm like thinking, like when I'm hiking, I'm figuring out like processes, like with my employees, like how do I fix this? And I'm, I'm hiking in like, you know, some random state in a national park. But that's how I like disconnect and I can start thinking about those things. And and then I'm done the hike and I'll like call someone on my team and be like, I just had the best idea. We have to try this. Or, you know, it's just like, it's my way of just taking myself out of the office and, you know, just being in my own brain and whether I'm, you know, getting inspiration for design or I'm just thinking about managing the team. I feel like, yeah, it's like all one for me. So I was listening to a podcast and, you know, I grew up in California in San Diego and John Muir, you know, there's the John Muir trails and stuff mm-hmm. through California. And I believe, I mean, I don't know the exact quote because I'm here winging it, I guess, on the podcast live with you, but <laughs> You know, you talked about that, how healthy it is to be outdoors, right? That everyone should mm-hmm. spend time, they should be hiking, they should be outdoors. And I, especially now in this generation, you know, for us as, as, as attached, we are, and I'm super attached to my phone, like it's difficult to be away as a business owner. Mm-hmm. It's just don't, clients, employees, mm-hmm. you know, project, I, it's just a reality. Like I have to be in contact, right? But there's value to being outside and being able to disengage and have that. And as you mentioned, I mean, especially where you're incorporating an organic design, right, mm-hmm. Kaylin? And you're really looking at timeless elements and things that our nature has created. And so I can only imagine the travel and your exposure to those different, you know, conditions and being outside, how that just inspires you. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I get color palette inspiration or material inspiration from the outdoors. Um, and also when I'm traveling too, I like to go to commercial spaces. I mean, not just nature. I get a ton mm-hmm. of inspiration from nature, but I love commercial spaces. Like. I'll be in a hotel restaurant all day long and I'll just look at the lighting and I'll look at the, you know, how do things get finished around a corner? And like, I just, I love looking at all that stuff and it gives me ideas. Um, so it's, yeah. I love that too. And it's funny cause I look at it from the builder side. So when I'm going, I love to see like new restaurants, right. Mm-hmm. And how eclectic it can be or how well designed, you know, how they've taken maybe a historic space and how they've integrated the existing flooring or wall space. Right. Mm-hmm maybe hotels and, and they could be new, they could be timeless, they could be yeah. historical, it doesn't matter. But for me, I look at it this way where it's like, okay, you know, th- this is something we could build. We could do this, you know, do this detail. And then there's some projects you walk into this amazing, <laughs> you know, hotel in New York City in Manhattan. And you're like, okay, who built this? Like, there's no way. It's just so complex. Like I can I never get yeah. my hands around this. Yeah. We stayed at um, a boutique hotel in Indianapolis and it was a uh, old Coca-Cola factory. And it was abandoned for I don't know how many years, and then they restored it uh, for years. It took me; it took a really long time for the build, and they restored it to a beautiful hotel, and it was amazing. It was one of the coolest hotels you've ever stayed at. That's incredible. So, how I mean, do you ever find it difficult? Because I know for you, you're super active with emails and correspondence. You mentioned before we started the podcast, you're on the ski lift sending emails, right? <laughs> <laughs> on your last vacation, like you could never put it off. Do you ever feel overwhelmed that hey, I don't have as a business owner, I just don't have the free time or have you just learned to evolve and like kind of deal with it? I think I've learned to evolve, but I definitely think there are things, you know, in my personal life where I'm like, at some point I'm going to have to have a little more time where I'm just focusing on like my personal life. I I just feel like I'm in the grind mode right now and I know it's not going to be forever and I I don't want to burn out. Um, so I, I feel like that's just like the mode I'm in, but I think I know that I'm in that mode. So I'm just like embracing it and I don't feel like, like it feels good right now, but I know that I'm going to change over time. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. You hope, right? That's the goal. <laughs> I guess. But personality sometimes drives that. It's funny because I, I, yeah. I look at like my situation in life and, and how it goes. And it's like, you know, you just kind of learn to embrace it. I, mm-hmm. I remember early on, you know, 
it was very difficult to take like a family vacation early on in our business. And it seemed that every time I'd go, like something would like blow up. And my team mm-hmm. was like, dang, Brad, every time you're gone, like just something goes wrong. Yeah. And what's funny now is like, it still happens, right? Things happen as I'm gone. And you just learn, realize that's just part of doing business, right? And you yeah. just learn how to, really, you have to understand in your mind, like how you separate all that. Yeah. You know, and, and, and really not let it drive you emotionally. I had mm-hmm. early on, I had Mark Candelari on and he gave some great advice, right? He said, you know, those watching, they're supporting you, Caitlin, or Iconic Design Build, like they're celebrating your successes, not your failures, right? Mm-hmm. And we as people like tend to focus on our failures too much. And so, and it eats at us, you know, mistakes mm-hmm. we made, or maybe we didn't handle that communication properly. Mm-hmm. Instead of, you know, you know, compartmentalizing that and saying, okay, well, this is a great learning experience. Now I'm going to apply this for the next project. And so I know today, like AFT is better than we were yesterday and the week mm-hmm. before, right? Because we're compartmentalizing, we're learning, we're understanding, and we're making sure that the team understands these mistakes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so we've grown our team. Like, so last March, there was four of us, and now we have 11. Oh, my goodness. So just think <laughs> about that. Like, I don't know, is that like one a month or something? So, yeah, we've grown. And so, you know, and every time we've brought on someone, and we, you know, it's all the same people. We don't have like high term. We've just grown our team. And mm-hmm. which is funny because I feel like if I do bring on someone new, then a vendor or something will be like, oh, is that other person not with you anymore? I'm like, nope. Like they're still here. Just multiplying. It's, just, it's just different roles. But um, yeah, so I think, you know, when we're looking at, we have, we have a business coach that helps us with planning. And so we have an organizational chart and we're looking at who's the next hire. What's the p- current pain point? Like where does that next person fall into play? And so we're looking at, who that next hire should be and what their role should be. And I think when we're looking at that, we're like so excited about it. And we're like, we need more help. This is going to be amazing. And then there's so much that goes into creating a new role in a company when you already have a system. Because you're changing the system. Everybody's role changes in some way. Right. And then you're trying to perfect it. So now it's like, it's just, it's a lot. So that's what we've been focusing on. I love that. It's super complex. And for those listening, I mean, I don't know that many people... That, that have not built a business, understand, from four to 11, mm-hmm. what a dynamic. And it's almost like revenue. Certain companies, you do a certain amount of revenue or projects, and then you're doubling or tripling that. Mm-hmm. It's complex, like, because you're trying to make sure that now these seven new employees, they understand their role, they have mm-hmm. goals, they have, you know, they have something that challenges them every day where they're not overwhelmed. Yeah. So with your organizational chart, and, and this is something that I want to talk about because it's something we're Im- implementing in our company. Is this something you share with them? Like, do you share... With the company, they really know where they stand as far as title, who yeah. they're accountable to, who they, you know, responsible for. So we did that last time. We did that. I think was maybe October, November. So before our two newest employees, and yeah, we printed it out. We showed it to everyone, and each person had like basically like top four to five responsibilities, things they're accountable for. Um, and we went through it, and we just were like, "Here's where we're at. Here's where we want to go." Let me know if you have any questions. <laughs> so how do you sell them the vision? So then when we hire, we also have these core values. This is all for my business coach. So I take no credit for yeah, uh, coming up with any of these okay. ideas. So we have these core values that we've created and we have to hire based on those core values. I mean, I'll just give you a few examples, but sure. um, like always, you know, taking initiative, you know, looking for something that maybe you haven't been asked to do a task, but maybe you see a task needs to be done and just kind of getting up and, and working on it. Like just always being helpful to the team. Um, being willing to you know learn something new or just jump up when the team needs help, um, you know, being professional with our clients in terms of communication. So you know, emails in person, just keeping that really professional, um, showing up on time slash early because early is on time. <laughs> um, that's a fun one, and there's a lot. That's a few. I love that. So. I'll- it's interesting as you're sharing that, you know, I'll give an example. So one thing in our company we do is we, we call it the AFT team walk. Mm-hmm. And so what ends up happening is, you know, some of our projects can take a year, two years, two and a half years to build, right? Yeah. And and this is just when they're in the ground. This isn't, that doesn't count the time and design from the beginning as we're working with, you know, mm-hmm. someone such as yourself, Caitlin. But so it ends up happening for the super, you know, they're on this project. It's uh, at, at some points of the schedule it could be a grind. You know, there's a lot that they're focusing on. and so you know, they become a snow blind, right? Where if you're staring at something all the time, like you just, mm-hmm. you don't see it anymore. And so what ends up happening is, as we get into like that final paint, as we get into the punch, like the goal is we bring the whole company out. So we bring out superintendents, project managers, office staff, accounting, mm-hmm. coordinators, everyone, they're out there. And we, we tape the house. And so the superintendent, you know, he's described. Mm-hmm. So 
it's really tough because everyone's coming in. You have 14, 15 wow. employees walking the house saying, hey, Caitlin, this is wrong. And yeah. you get this paint touch up. This faucet needs to be adjusted, yeah. right? You got wood chip in the wood flooring. And so it's pretty humbling that they're sitting there taking notes. It's like 14 people are like dissecting the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the right understanding and training behind that is that, okay, well, now it, it's almost like they get an accelerated punch list mm-hmm. before the client moves in. Yeah. They can address the stuff, get it finished. So ho- ideally when the client moves in, mm-hmm. it's be really minimal, right? Yep. Client can move in, house is good. It's like A plus quality. Yeah. And so what's funny is like doing this, it's been like a pattern. It's just it's something I hadn't really thought about. And I had a few builders reach out and they're like, Brad, how, how do you address this? Because we've, we've tried your system. We've tried doing this. <laughs> and our superintendent like got super offended. You know, like they're yeah. emotional. They're really mad. They felt like, you know, we're just micromanaging yeah. them. Well, it's like, well, is that person the right cultural fit for your company? Exactly. Because maybe they're not. Yeah. And I love that because it's like leave your ego at the door, right? Yeah. And, that, and, and, and we've hired since then. And I always challenge them, hey, what, what's your ego? You know, mm-hmm. and I explain that example because part of being successful as a team and being collaborative, you can't have an ego, right? Mm-hmm. There has to be understanding that, hey, I'm not perfect. I'll make mistakes. And even as a business owner, so if you have good advice or good counsel, I need to consume that and digest it and say, is this important for us to make a change? Mm-hmm. Or, and yep. it's hard. It's hard. It's human nature. We're battling that, right? Yeah. And you can't change someone. No, you can't. <laughs> but, but I love the punctual side too because- yeah. You know, that's also a fine line as a business owner that, hey, everyone has to be punctual. They have to be responsive. They have to be communicative. Mm -hmm. At the same time, as an employer, it's a little difficult because you have employees that don't have, you know, even though they may love the brand and love the business, they don't have the same commitment you do, right, right, Caitlin, that you're on the ski lift email somewhere. (laughs) They may say, hey, 6 p.m., 5 p.m., I need to check out. I'm not going to respond. So you have to have that fine balance where they're still communicating, but you're setting expectations with clients as well. Yeah, communication is everything. That's what I've always asked. I mean. I don't expect anybody to work more than, you know, the eight to five, nine to five. Like I just need communication. If there's something on your list that has a due date and you're not able to get to it or you're not able to get to it done, let's talk about it. Because if we have to get it done, then one of us can jump in and help out. So, And and I love that you share that because another thing early on, you know, we'd have an employee that would take a vacation, right? And what's really tough about being in the field, as you know, from being a contractor yourself is that you have to be in the field as things are being installed. Like mm-hmm. you have to check this. So not having someone on site can be a big issue mm-hmm. legally, you know, especially for safety issues and quality. And and what I found now is we have a system down where if I'm the superintendent, I'm going out of town. I don't just call the owner. I call my, my friends that are superintendents. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, Paul. Hey, Andrew. Hey, you know, Spencer, I'm going out of town. Can you cover my project while I'm gone? Yeah. Here's the schedule. Here's what's happening. Yes. Here's who's coming. And so what's amazing is I look back now, and this was not the case early on, but now in the last two years, it's you, you end up seeing them do it where it doesn't come to me. Yeah. So-and-so's on vacation, but he's it. already handled like who's going to cover them. I know. I love that. It, like, I'm so proud. Yeah. You're, you're like so proud of your team right? when you see like an email and they're like, I'm not going to be here. Here's everything you need to know. Yeah. Call this person. They're going to do this or that. And you're like, this is amazing. You're like, it's amazing. It's like. Yeah. Just prepare the team. We're all here for each other. And that's the culture that we have is like. You know, we, we're like, we're just, we have each other's backs mm-hmm. and I don't deal with drama. Like there's no, if there's drama, I mean, I've never thankfully had to deal with that actually. That's amazing. Kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, cause out of 11 of us, nine of us are women. So <laughs> I, I don't know, but my core values say yeah. we don't allow drama Yeah. or like talking about each other. Like I just, I can't, Yeah. I don't do that. So, well, it's not healthy. I mean, anytime you can have backbiting in company, like it just can tear everything down. Like yeah. it's not great. Now, we're super excited to welcome one of our new sponsors to the podcast, Pella Windows. And this is even more exciting because we use Pella in so many of our projects, nearly all of them. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers, because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. Their they're company culture, their integrity, their honesty, you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So 
for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. And now let's get back into the episode. One thing that's unique is not only do you have the license, you're a designer, you have the design build, but also the MBA. So like, mm-hmm. how did you get into design? Because this wasn't yeah. always a career path for you. Um, it was always a career path. If you asked me what my dream job, like where, if somebody was like, where do you see yourself in 10 years when I was, I don't know, in high school or middle school, like I would have said design is my dream. Um, but it wasn't what I was going to school for because at the time I, I just didn't have any mentors in my life. I lived on the East Coast. so. I just felt like I was kind of following that path. Like I was almost embarrassed by it, like to go to school for it, I think. Like I was to go embarrassed. to school for design? Yeah, like everybody knew I loved design mm-hmm. and because I did it as a hobby and I would just, you know, I just always incorporate it. But I think I was embarrassed to like actually say I wanted to do it as my career because to me, it just didn't feel like something that you could do for a career. It just felt like, again, just like, like a hobby. A hobby. Something. That's what my dad told me. Maybe it was, maybe <laughs> he's the one that put that in my, in my head. So I'm like, okay. That's a hobby. I can always do that for friends and family. Like, what am I going to do to make money? If only you had Instagram then and you could say, wait, check this out. I yeah, know. You could actually build a successful company and career doing this. I know. So anyways, so I went to school for biology and neuroscience because, I mean, I really loved art and design, but um, I also liked math. I liked science. I'm really good with numbers. So I feel like that's why I love design because it's so much you know, technical side as well as design. But um, so I went to school for biology and a few years in and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I'm looking at my career paths for the biology degree and I'm like, this is, I'm not doing this. Like, I just, I never met with the guidance counselor to figure out where, what I was going to do with the degree. Like, I just never, never did any of it. Cause I was just like, like, I knew I wasn't going to do that. So anyways, I kind of had to figure out what was I, what was I going to do? I knew I wanted to do design. I didn't want to switch majors and because I would have had to switch colleges and been in school for because my Forever. school didn't have a design program. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, OK. And I took biology and neuroscience courses. I took physics and organic chem and all those hard classes. And I'm like, I have to finish this degree. Like, I've come too far. So I finished my degree, but I applied for the MBA program at the same college. So I was ahead in my classes like a semester. So they let me overlap my graduate degree with my undergraduate. So I started my MBA in my last semester of undergrad. And um, it was seamless because it was the same school. And I knew because at the time, too, I also really wanted to own my own business. I just I don't know. It's just something I always wanted. I just thought that would be amazing. So I thought I've been on all these science courses and I've had no business courses. So I'll get my MBA and see where that takes me. That's incredible. So from your MBA, I mean, what's unique about the MBA is, as you mentioned, especially being an entrepreneur, and that's been natural in you. It's been innate from, as you mentioned, you've always had that desire. You know, how does an MBA prepare you mm-hmm. to run a business, especially understanding how to read a balance sheet, how to understand financials, which is something that most of us struggle. Yeah, I should say as an industry, right, is running the business. We're, mm-hmm. We may be good at our craft, but Understanding the operations and mm-hmm. cash flow and projections like is really difficult. Yeah. I mean, I've always loved math. Like I love figuring things out. I love uh, solving problems, which is good for design, but it's also good when you're a business owner. So I, I mean, I tried to keep myself as organized as possible when I first started when it was just me, but you only have so much time in the day too. So you're kind of just doing as much as you can. Uh, I mean, you're learning too. I feel like there, you know, there's stuff you learn in getting your MBA, but there's a lot you learn just, you know. Have, starting your own business too. Um, but I feel like getting my MBA was important because I learned a lot about like managing people. Like I think that that was important. And then, yeah, just like the finance and the accounting side of things. Um, I really enjoyed that. And then my like senior project I did on in- the interior design industry. So, and again, because so I So what did knew, that entail? Just like studying the industry and how to start a business. You know, they make you do a business plan and all that kind of stuff. And again, I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I did that. But while I was getting my MBA is when I got my first job professionally working at an architecture and interior design firm. So I was working there and getting my MBA. And I just, I was like, okay, this is 100% everything that I want to do. So so you have the architectural background. Mm-hmm. So how did that influence now MBA, general contractor, and even having that element? I know. That's another element. So I worked in an architecture firm, but I was really on the like administrative and design. It was an architecture firm and an interior design firm. So I was really hired 
on the administrative side and the design side. So my role kind of in the architecture side was really um, like I would organize the CAD files. So I learned how to use AutoCAD when I was working there, um, you know, and I'd, I'd help them if they needed something. So I feel like I got more familiar with it. And again, because they were an architecture firm, you know, a lot of times the interiors were kind of all in one with architecture. So I had, I was able to be in a lot of those conversations. That's incredible. And it just blows my mind because I, you know, I go back to the example you gave about the MBA. One of the advantages is that, you know, you learn how to work with people and collaborate and manage, right? Which is really important as a business owner. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I speak to a lot of people saying, hey, should I go to college? Should I go straight into the program? Well, now we're at a point in society where not everyone has to go to college, right? Mm -hmm. Where, you know, for my generation, it's like, you got to go to college, like, or you won't Mm -hmm. be successful. No one's going to hire you. And that stigma has been lifted where, no, there's a lot of actually great professions you can have without the degree. Mm-hmm. But I'll say one of the advantages of the degree at the MBA is you are challenged, right? And, and I was talking to my brother-in-law about this, that you know, one thing that's missed by, is the collaborative effort where they're assigning you, Caitlin, as a mm-hmm. team, and you're working with people that maybe put yeah. some effort in, they may put a lot of effort, and you're trying to manage them, you're trying to do these group tasks, yeah. group think, and- mm-hmm. It can be challenging, but you learn life skills, right? You're learning how to manage people and work through that, which is something that you have to do on day-to-day with with your team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's not even necessarily what you learn because a lot of that you learn on the job, mm-hmm. I think, in a workplace. Um, but yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's kind of those skills that take you in the right direction. So then from there, as you now are working for the architecture design firm, is this back east after? No, this your- was here. So it's here. Yeah. And then how did, how has that evolved to, was the plan always, hey, I'm going to have my own company? And you, you alluded to that by saying the MBA, but is that always the dream? And um, did it happen as fast as you thought it would? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think I always knew I wanted to start my own business, but because, but I wanted to get experience. So, you know, working in the architecture and design firm, and then I worked for, you know, construction companies. So I wanted that experience before like really, you know, going full time on my own business. But um, I was, I mean, I was also growing iconic in terms of interiors and the design side while I was working in construction. So, you know, I was working full time, probably like 60, 70 hours a week and then growing my own business too. So I've just always worked a lot. That's amazing. It's, <laughs> and it hasn't changed and here you are. Yeah. But now I can do it haven't all. Haven't laid off the gas yet. And, you know, towards the vision. So. So, so what are you excited about? I mean, as you've seen your team evolve, I mean, 4 to 11, I mean, talk about that transition just, yeah. you know, wh- you mentioned the core values when you hire someone, you know, what, what keeps you up at night? When you think about owning a small business, right? And now you're responsible for 11 livelihoods mm-hmm. and, you know, their well-being and stuff. And so, you know, how does that work to manage, you know, jobs and flow and projects and making sure that pipeline's there? Yeah. So project management systems, um, team meetings. I mean, and I'm, I love change. And I think like, I'm always the team's product. Like I come in and I'm like, guys, okay, we need, I know we just talked about this, but we need to change it this way. Or, you know, I mean, I won't do that if something's working really well, but like, if I see a pain point or like, I think about it later and I'm like, okay, it makes way more sense. Cause I'm also thinking about the future too. Like I'm like, cause I'm thinking about scaling. I'm thinking about continuing to grow the team on how do our processes scale? And so there's certain things that we're doing right now that I know are not scalable that I'm trying to fix. So, and that's just like the project management side of things. Like, cause there's so many, like we all play a role in every project. Like we're pretty much, we're all touching every single project. So when you think about that, it's like, you have to define the roles, who reports to who, who's responsible for that. Otherwise we all think everyone's responsible, you know, for everything. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't work. So yeah, I think we call it swim lanes. So we're just figuring, you know, figuring out everybody's swim lane, and then we all know how to work and communicate with each other. So is this written down, or is this just kind of communicated and people understand? No, we have it written down. So we talk about the swim lanes with everyone, but and then every time we bring on a new employee, we look at the swim lanes and say, how do we need to adjust those swim lanes? And then the cool thing is, when we bring on someone new, we can usually add new tasks to their plate that nobody was doing before because nobody had time to do it before. So then it's like we're just elevating our process. Like, you know, little things like I really want to do is like client gifts. I've never had a ta- had the time right. to like buy a client a gift at the end of a project. Just like little stuff. Yeah. Like we didn't send holiday cards this year. And I'm yeah. like, dang. You know, it's like we just those are things that just like random things like that that I know I want to improve the client experience. I want to improve the client onboarding process when um, someone reaches out to us for the first time. I want to have 
I want them to have the best impression ever, you know? So how does that look now? If, if someone reaches out to you, what's, what's the channel of to be vetted out? Yeah. So we just revamped this entire process, actually, like in the last few weeks. So they go to our website. We have a questionnaire on our website. It's pretty short, straight to the point, asks you some basic questions. We get that information. We, if we feel like it's a good fit from that information, we'll send them a more detailed questionnaire. So that gets a little bit more detail about their scope, what they're looking for, their aesthetic, their timeline, um, their budget, things like that. Once we receive that second questionnaire and we determine as a team, so a few of us get together and say, okay, we want to move forward. Let's set up an initial consultation, initial meeting, or maybe, you know, they just want additional questions about budget or, you know, they just have questions before they want to set up an initial meeting. So we'll reach out. We'll set up that initial meeting. Right now it's, it's looking like seven weeks away from now to meet someone for the first time. Which wow. I would, so if they reach out today, yeah. it's possibly seven weeks before they have a sit down. I know. And I hate yeah. that, but I can't do anything about it. Like no. I literally don't have time. Yeah. So yeah. So they, you know, will set up that initial meeting, go on site. I'm always on site. I feel like people ask like, oh, is, is, does Caitlin actually do the design work? Am I going <laughs> to get handed off to someone else? And we're like, no, like, I, you know, anyways. Yeah. But so I'm always at the initial meeting. That's when I'm, you know, scoping out the project. And again, this is different if it's a new construction because obviously there's no home yet. Right. So I'm kind of talking more remodel side yep. of things. So if it's, you know, a new build, then, you know, we'll set up an initial meeting with, you know, whoever's involved in the project and get and learn more about the aesthetic and the scope. But um, so we have that initial meeting and then we can prepare our proposal, um, which outlines, you know, our deliverables and our fees and things like that. But so there's there's a lot of steps to that process, but I mean, I think everything from like how you talk to the, that initial prospect and following up to remind them of the initial meeting, you know, asking, is there any information we need to know? Like, is there a gate code that we need to get? Like all, like we're trying to get all the information and just be like really on it from the start. I love that because that's one of the most difficult parts is understanding, you know, what, where does the ideal client come from and how do they transition through mm -hmm. the company? Right. How do they move from point A to point Z before projects completed mm -hmm. and understand that process having the right people in line you know is yeah. super helpful and the process is a lot as you know like yeah. start to finish and every project is so different so you also don't want to like overwhelm them with too much information like i'm always trying to figure out how do i explain our process so they know because they have so many questions but at the same time you can't explain every single thing it's too much information so we also have a lot of um you know, things will attach in emails that explain our process and it's written out. And, you know, we'll say, if you have any questions, let's hop on a call. Let's talk about it. And so every, every person's different on how many questions they have from the beginning, but it's a lot of information. So let me ask you this. When, when someone reaches out and you have the backlog or pipeline you have right now, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm sure that's moving because you have your schedule lined out. So you kind of have an idea. So if someone reaches out, you're like, Hey, it's six, seven weeks. Mm -hmm. And in a month from now, it could be nine weeks, it could be yeah. more. But the one thing I'll say that's actually really beneficial is where I've seen issues with companies is they try to take on more than they can handle, right? Mm -hmm. And so poor communication or poor expectations is going to lead to frustration. Yeah. And so clients are better off if we sit there and say, hey, you're, you know, I'm not available for eight weeks, but then I will be. You know, at least yeah. there's something they can track and say, okay, maybe that fits, maybe it doesn't. Yeah, it's like, okay, I, I might be able to squeeze you in my day tomorrow, but if I meet you, then I'm not going to be able to talk to you for the seven weeks until I yeah. can actually start your project. So why not meet and start and like go? And here's our process. Yeah. But we do, so we do initial meetings every Tuesday. So I do- So you I have do, a set day for that. Yeah. So we book them out and we'll do like two, usually two uh, every Tuesday. See, that's really smart too. So you have a day of the week that's actually stationed for the vetting process mm -hmm. and the client to have those orientations. But- but. Where I really like that, and I think that's really advantageous is, you know, again, going back to expectations, a lot of our clients, they may see you through Instagram. They may mm -hmm. see different ways that you've, you know, marketed to them, but they don't understand your business. They don't understand day to day. And so by laying them out and essentially helping educate them, I mean, you're laying it out where now you're creating less pain points for them mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Setting expectations is definitely a huge uh, factor in the success of the whole the whole project. And I mean, I feel like it's with anything. Like if you go to a store and you're buying a sofa and they don't tell you when it's going to arrive and they're like, we'll keep you updated. And you're going to be like waiting every day. Like, where's my sofa? I can't wait to get it. But then if you go to, you go to check out and they're like, you know, it's 
really, it's handcrafted and it takes nine weeks because we're sourcing this from here and we're doing this from there. And you're like, okay, like kind of sucks, but you know, I'll, I can wait nine weeks and then they wait and it's fine. You know, it's yeah. like, you just have to tell them that information, like why the timeline is the way it is. It is funny that way. Cause like human nature, as you think about that for me, it's the same way. If I'm ordering something and say, Hey, it's going to be 12 weeks and it mm-hmm. comes in 12 weeks. That's great. If you tell me four weeks and then it takes 12, like, yeah. You, you, you it's know, it's expectation. Yeah, it's a problem. And so, you know, for you that you're given that timeline, seven weeks, I mean, that's actually going to help you as a business. So from your side, Caitlin, I mean, what do you see as the next step? Like you're, you're here now, you've been tremendously successful. Like you built this amazing company, you're doing general contracting. Like what, what's next? Mm-hmm. I mean, I really feel like I'm tightening up all of our processes and our team because, you know, as you know, we've added a lot of people. And so I'm just like, really like I want all of our process I want to be a well-oiled machine so I feel like that's the zone I'm in right now as I'm just like refining I'm calling it project refinement I'm just refining as much as I can um and yeah I mean I just want to continue to grow and and our portfolio and the project that we're working on is definitely in the right in the direction that I want to continue to go in um how's your marketing strategy changed from the very beginning to now like how involved has marketing mm-hmm. and branding been yeah, so I manage all of my social media. Um, you do it yourself? Yeah. So the posts that go on, I'm figuring out what to post. I write all the captions. Um, I'm on the stories, so that's all me. Uh, and th- you know that was that's been me since day one. But I would say you know we've spent I've spent more time physically like networking with people in person, like meeting people, and I love that. Like I I love making connections. Um, and just meeting other people in the industry. So, and I think just by having a bigger team, I've been able to dedicate more time to to do things like that. So, in person networking, um, we've been picked up by some different magazines for editorial features, and I feel like that's kind of snowballed into other opportunities, like this, around the podcast, like stuff like that. So, I've just been kind of looking at opportunities and maybe even you know reaching out to different magazines and kind of instead of just waiting for them to find us, like let's let's send our work to them. So from your side, from social media, you're managing yourself, Caitlin. So mm-hmm. what platforms have been most beneficial? I mean, Instagram, definitely, for sure, um, where we can be on stories and post on the grid. And yeah, we get a, a lot of our business comes from Instagram. Um, I, I would say like the design build side, like the remodel side, because homeowners are finding us directly. Um, and then in terms of, you know, working on the larger projects, it's a lot of that in-person networking and just kind of the credibility we have, you know, within within the industry and locally. And um, so Instagram for sure. I mean, we're also, we have a house profile um, where you have a Facebook, we have a Pinterest. Pinterest, I'm trying to get a little bit more into on how I can. It's hard. I haven't figured out Pinterest yet. Yeah. I don't know why it's so confusing, but I mean, we have a lot of, I don't know, impressions, follows on there, but um, I don't know how that translates into people finding us, you know, on Instagram or our website. So Instagram's number one. So how much time do you spend on Instagram a week? Gosh, does my doesn't your phone tell you that now? Yeah, it does. But <laughs> oh my god, I don't know. Probably an embarrassing amount of time. But I I don't spend a ton of time. I I probably do me, uh, mindlessly scroll. I say that I don't, but I definitely do. But I'm usually like I need to post. But it's more targeted. Like you're focused on. Yeah, every, I mean, like everything on my feed is like interior design because I'm looking at inspiration too. So I'm scrolling and looking at different. You know, I follow a lot of different architecture firms all over the world, and I love that. Um, but I'm usually just figuring out what to post on my grid for the day. And then I'll try to get on stories, whether, you know, I'm on a job site or I'm at the office or, you know, we have new professional photos that we just got from a new project. So I'll try to share all that on the story. So do you do the photography yourself? Do you outsource that professionally? I mean, how does the photography play a role? Yeah, no, photography is huge. Um, I don't do any of the photography myself. Um, I don't think I've like ever posted a picture on my grid that I took of an interior of an interior like not project. from your iphone yeah no because i i can't like the lighting is not right I, I just it doesn't look like the actual space doesn't do it justice so um i'm trying you know sometimes i'll post like a progress photo but most of the time it's like a finished photo and then we'd show like a before and after so we have um you know architectural photographer that we use for all of our projects i've been using the same person for years um, and then we have a branding photographer so she does uh all of our you know like team portraits or actually we have four photo shoots a month. Wow. Well, we just upgraded. We were doing one a month. Now we're doing four. As a company? Well, it's kind of like 
Well, when it was one a month, she would just meet me somewhere and just do new photos of me, whether it's on a project or at the office or if we needed a couple new headshots, we just did new team photos. But now we're doing four a month. So um, she'll just kind of go wherever we need her to to just take photos. But are these like in action, like you and the team in the field? or like what? So what's the the thought process behind it? It's like whatever we want. So if we want a serious shoot, if we want an action shoot, it's like whatever ideas we have for that week, we'll tell her, meet us at this place and take photos and then we can post them on social. And and it's strictly for Instagram or is it for the website too? Some we'll put on the website, but it's mostly Instagram. Interesting. Yeah. When you also just did, I think end of year, you did like a photo shoot of like individual portraits of the team. Is that yes. to update just like the about section? Yeah. So we just updated the whole about section on our website and then got some amazing team photos that I still need to post on the gram. So um, yeah, there, it was just so good. I, you know, we're, we just look very, the colors are right, but we're in the desert. It's just very on brand. So do you ever get pushback from your team? Like they're shy, maybe they don't want to be on camera photography or, <laughs> or how's that aspect been? Yeah. It's so funny. Like, I feel like my team is not on social media at all. Like literally, <laughs> like, none of them, yeah. like none of them are posting. And I'm like, you guys can post. You have so much to post about. No one's posting. Everyone's just working. Is that funny? It's it's funny. I don't know if that's a core value that I need to add. Like, don't be active. I, I don't know. I, I like being, you know, I would like them if they wanted to, to post more. But like, I have, I feel like I have all these nice photos of my team and none of them have like ever posted them. Like they're just in a folder and yeah. I'm the only one that posts them. It's funny. Cause I, I deal with the same thing. Like my team, you know, it's, you know, they're active and they follow the main account, which yeah. is mine, but I only have one project manager really. That's like super into it. Like he does stories and he's kind of a, yeah. an arm that's like pushing anything up to the parent account. Yeah. But the rest of my team, it's been like their goal every year. We sit down and you review, right? Yeah. For like three years, some of them, okay, this year I'm going to start doing more content. They'd yeah. be done. Yeah. Same thing. We had that. I had a couple of team members say that too. Like, I'm going to try to be more active on social media. I mean, it's hard actually. You have to like it's intentionally tough. get used to like, okay, I need to take out my phone and document this. Yeah. To be a creator, I mean, to think, you know, about creating content and mm-hmm. photography, is, it's a lot different, you know, because one of my employees loves TikTok. So like he's on TikTok all the time and I'm like, hey. You could actually create something like have an amazing portfolio yeah. and you're like doing some amazing stuff with us. Like, why don't you do your own TikTok? You yeah. Know? He's not going to go dance, but. Right. I, I mean, know. I've always, I mean, I like, I think those TikTok videos are. Pretty addicting. They, yeah. There's some funny stuff on there. Yeah. So I haven't gotten Are you on TikTok? That. I'm not. Well, I mean, actually, I just downloaded it like a week ago, but <laughs> I, I haven't posted anything. I don't know how to use it yet, but. Yeah. It's a whole different aspect. You know, I'm not a TikTok professional. We have a decent following, but it's not. It's yeah. not great. You know, it's one of those things, but you can, you can go viral. You know, the thing mm-hmm. I, I really like about LinkedIn and TikTok too, mm-hmm. um, especially LinkedIn is that you can go viral quickly, right? Mm-hmm. Things can organically do really well on that platform. And the thing about LinkedIn, there's a lot of professionals, whereas, you know, Instagram is still a little pay for play. I mean, if you have really good content, it's going to go. And if you're connected to the right people and they publish your stuff and so yeah. they're still, but we're the same. We still have a lot of clients that reach out to us from Instagram because, mm-hmm. you know, that's our biggest, you know, database. Yeah. So what's up? What's exciting for you? What's upcoming as far as, you know, project wise that you have on the horizon outside of the one we're working on together? Yeah. So we have a few custom homes we're working on. Um, we just got a new project in San Francisco. Wow. Yeah. So how many are you doing out of state? Hmm. Do you have quite a, a few handful. people that reach like out? Like a few. Yeah. yeah. So um, New Mexico, San Francisco. Wow. Uh, Connecticut. Yeah. It's exciting. So Yeah. And travel's easy right now, so it's not too complicated, right? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind traveling. Yeah, I don't either. It's just a little complicated sometimes as, yeah. long, as, as long as your flight's on time. I know. Or there's I no strikes. There's no weather or anything bad, but. Yeah. But it's amazing what we can do virtually yeah. now because of our 3D renderings and all the programs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we can fly out and see, you know, the site and meet the client in person and there's a lot you could do virtually too, not so just Arizona. When you're working out of state, which I know is a lot more feasible, I mean, you're not probably going to do the remodel side, the, mm-hmm. but you'll do the design side. Yeah. Uh, again, are these coming from Instagram? Are these coming from network you've built? Um, yeah, Instagram or house, I would say. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So then we're, you know, for those listening, you know, especially for what's upcoming, you know, to follow these projects in San Francisco, the one we're going to be working on with you, where can our listeners find you? Our Instagram is just iconic design build. And, you know, it's our company profile, but it's also like my, I don't have like my own personal profile. I don't post, I mean, I post like travel and stuff, but it's really like our business, our projects. We love sharing everything there. Yeah. And 
We're similar. I mean, sometimes you'll dabble a little bit of like personal stuff just mm-hmm. so people know that you're not a robot. Yeah. Right? That there's actually a person behind it and there's, you know, a culture and dynamic and, yeah. uh, you know, which is really important. So I, I know you've done a great job with that. I know we've met through a client. We met at Network Advance and, mm-hmm. you know, really impressed by the brand you're building, like just your strategy on business and, you know, just all the experience you bring. Like it's been very unique working with you already, Caitlin. So it's very impressive. Yeah. I'm really excited to work with you too. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining the podcast today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. So thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. And just as a recap, if you check the show notes, they're just going to have all the links for the topics that we discuss. And also one of our favorite features now is the chapters that go through the conversation. So if there's certain topics you want to revisit or listen to, they're outlined by the time that we discuss those. And again, we can't thank you enough for all of your support. Please make sure and download our podcast, subscribe, Give us a five-star rating and review wherever you download your podcast.